0: How how we feeling we feeling good you guys can you guys can have a seat you guys can have a seat come on 10:30 we feeling good we got to sleep in a little bit there we go there we go like you said my name is, uh, is Chandler and I've been, uh, I've been serving here working here for uh, for just over seven years and before we uh, progress in the service I, I just need to take a moment uh, uh, to really honor the man for all of this as possible obviously Jesus and, and God is the reason for all of this but uh, but because of Pastor Justin I stand here on this platform today uh, just under his leadership for so many years uh, I've known him since I was in middle school so he showed up at my uh, my Rec league basketball games and can I just tell you you guys, uh, and as Action Church at all of our locations, that he is the same man that he is on the platform as Off, and I have the utmost respect, and it is a true joy. He married me and my wife, and so before we move forward, can we just honor our lead pastor for a second? Come on, put your hands together. <laughs> pastor Justin, we love you, and we are thankful for you. We hope that he's relaxing somewhere, because because uh, he definitely deserves it, but like, my, like I said, my name is Chandler. Uh, I've been serving here for just a few years, and some of you guys may not know me, uh, so I wanted to bring a picture and introduce you guys to my family right there. That is me in the back. That is my beautiful wife, Alexis, and in her arms uh, is really our pride and joy. Uh, baby Drew, Kate, she was born in August of, uh, of this year, and that's kind of an older picture. She's now almost seven months old, so why don't we put the, the more updated picture up there of Drew there we go. How adorable is that, everybody? The little tongue. Come on. How does that not just just melt your heart? She had her first uh, her first beach trip uh, a couple weeks ago, and uh, and uh, we were just having such a blast. Uh, being parents. And me and my wife, we've been married for just a little over, uh, a little over three years, which puts us right in the window of right before COVID when we got married. We got married in January of 2020. Uh, and in March of 2020, everybody in the room knows what happened. So we had the unique opportunity to go from not living together and dating to being the only people that we see for about eight months, right? That is... Uh that is a significant area of growth, okay? We had a lot of opportunities to get to know each other on, <laughs> on, on different ways. And, um, and I learned a lot through, through that season. But there's one thing that, that I kind of remember, uh, and it is this, is that I don't know what my wife did to the restaurant industry, but for some reason, the restaurant industry has a vendetta against my wife. And let me explain to you why. During COVID, we did a lot of takeout like everybody did. And even today, we do takeout from time to time. And here's what I've noticed, okay? When we take takeout from Chipotle, Cava, wherever you want, I get my order and I open up my order and it is perfect, okay? If I go to Chipotle, I got the chicken, I got the mild salsa, I got everything looks right. Nine times out of 10, my wife has a different experience when she opens up her food, okay? Nine times out of 10, not every time, but nine times out of 10, she opens up and I don't even know if that is like on the menu at Chipotle. Like, what is that? Can anybody relate? It feels like you get takeout and you're like, what? I didn't order any of this. And I remember i remember one specific time when she was early on in her pregnancy, in the first trimester, if you've ever been pregnant or known someone that's been pregnant or had a pregnant wife, you realize that the first trimester is is a little challenging. Yeah, no, just me. It's a little challenging in the way that when you go to eat, nothing sounds good ever. Okay, so nothing sounds good until something sounds good. And then it's like, I need to eat that Right now, like I I can't think about anything besides eating that very thing. And so I'm learning this early on in her pregnancy. and, uh, And one day we're sitting on the couch and she really hasn't eaten anything all day. She hasn't been feeling good. And then in a moment, she's like Chandler, I'm hungry. And I'm like, praise God. Like, what? I started like, moving around. I'm like, what do I need to do? She's like, there's one thing that sounds good to me, and that is Chick-fil-A chicken tortilla soup. I apologize for bringing up Chick-fil-A on a Sunday. I know it's a sensitive subject. But but she says, I, I, just, I need Chick-fil-A chicken tortilla soup. I responded, absolutely. Let me go get that for you. Get in the car. I'm sure I responded just like, I'm sure I was just so grace-filled in that moment. But... I get in the car and I go to Chick-fil-A and she makes sure to tell me that, hey, there's two different sizes of soup at Chick-fil-A, okay? I haven't eaten all day. I really need you to get the large soup because the small soup is like four spoonfuls and then you're pretty much done. I said, absolutely, I got it. Don't worry about it. You just kick your feet up. I'm going to take care of it. I go to Chick-fil-A, I place the order, I say, hey, I'll take the large soup large chicken tortilla. They give me the bag, I head home, and I I made one fatal mistake though. All the women in here know. All of you guys said it simultaneously. That is hilarious. I didn't check the bag. So she opens up the bag and I'm like, ah, yeah. She pulls out a small. And I said, this is unbelievable. Chick-fil-A would never do this to me, never. So I say, okay, I'm gonna take it back. I'm gonna go get you the large soup because that's what you need. So I go back, I go through the drive-through again. I say, hey, here's my receipt. It did say large soup. I go, hey, I, I, can you swap this out for me? And they're like, absolutely, it would be my pleasure. I'm like, I'm so thankful that it's your pleasure because if it's not your pleasure, <laughs> it's gonna be my head. So <laughs> I need you to swap out this soup for me. And so they give it back. And this time I was checking the back. I'm not going home without looking inside that Chick-fil-A bag. So I open up the bag and I notice large soup, check. What I also notice is that there's no crackers. And I know that my wife loves crackers with her soup. It's a good crunchy, you know, whatever. It's a good thing. So I say, hey, excuse me, ma'am, can, uh, can I get some extra crackers? I not really need cracker, crackers. Yes, it'd be my pleasure. I'm like, thankfully, again, it's your pleasure. Give me the crackers. And I go back to my house, crackers, soup, check, check. I walk in the door, and I'm like cloud nine. I'm like, I'm like hey, I got to let you know, there weren't any crackers in there, but I checked the bag, and now there's crackers in there, so, ah, and so she opens it up. She's like, thank you so much for getting it to me, and she opens it up, and she opens up the soup, and I see the look on her face, and it's not a happy look, and I'm saying, I, I checked the bag. She opens the soup, she says, Chandler, this isn't chicken tortilla, this is chicken noodle. Come on, Chick-fil-A. Help me. Now she was a trooper, she ate the chick, chicken noodle soup and, uh, and now we have a beautiful baby girl, so I guess it worked. But, but here's what I realized from that story. That when you go through a drive-through line you can order whatever you want. But ultimately, what they hand you is what you get. Yeah. I think it's the same way in life sometimes that we encounter situations and circumstances that, that we open up the bag of life and you're like, I, don't, I didn't order this. I don't want this. I don't want to deal with this. I wonder how many situations in this room that you're walking through right now that you kind of feel like you opened up the bag of life and you got something that you wish you could send back. Because here's the reality. I'm 26 years old. I don't know a ton about life. I'm still trying to figure it out. You guys could all probably sit down with me and give me some advice. But here's what I know. In my 26 years of life, I have learned you are going to be given things that are hard. You are going to walk through situations that are difficult. And we have to accept that and realize that because if not, we're going to walk through one of those situations and have no idea how to respond. So how do we respond when we're giving something that we didn't want, when we're given something that we didn't desire? We have to understand that this is going to happen. The Bible says it like this. Jesus says, oh, got to flip it upside down. There we go. Jesus says it this way in John 16, 33. He says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. Anybody read a verse before and you're like, I I didn't like that one. Like that one, I, I, I like a lot of the Bible, but I don't necessarily like that. Is there is there a different translation that I could maybe take a look at where it doesn't say or promise that we're going to experience trouble? In this world, we will experience trouble. Now, I love the second half of this verse because it says, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So we can take heart and be encouraged and be hopeful, knowing and believing and trusting that regardless of what we walk through, that Jesus it has overcome it and we're going to have victory in the end. But here is also the reality. Just because Jesus has won the war, which is true, does not mean that we're not going to get beat up in a couple battles along the way. Just because Jesus has won and praise God he has done that doesn't mean that we are not gonna experience hardship. I feel like sometimes we love this verse and we preach this verse and we have crocheted pillows with God has overcome the world. And we focus so much on that as we should because it brings victory that we forget that we are actually going to experience hardship. The word trouble. In this passage, in the Greek, is actually the word thalipsis. Come on, everybody say thalipsis. There we go. Some of you guys are like, man, the student guy brought a Greek word. I see it all over your face. Up in the state, I saw it. They were like, the student guy knows Greek? No, I just kind of have the internet. But um, I looked it up, translated it. But the word thalipsis is what the trouble is is, is translated as. And, And that word actually more accurately can be defined as pressure. But not just regular pressure, it's defined as a it's a very intense word that means crushing pressure. It doesn't allude to minor inconveniences like, oh no, my, my, my tire blew. It's talking about real, genuine hardships in this life. And Jesus is is telling us. In this world, I have overcome everything, but that doesn't mean that we need to be ignorant to the fact that we are going to go through thalipsis type intense hardships. A word picture that the dictionary gives for the word thalipsis is a man laying down with a boulder on his chest. It's that kind of crushing pressure that Jesus is talking about. I wonder as I look around our room today and as we have several locations watching and some of our family watching online, how many people are walking through a situation that you didn't know how to describe it until I said that definition? That you didn't know how to describe it until you heard about a man with a boulder crushing his chest. I wonder how many people feel that very way this morning. Maybe it's pressure in your family. It's pressure with your kids. You want them to follow Jesus so badly, but they want nothing to do with it. So every single Friday and Saturday night, you wait up till midnight, one a.m., just hoping and praying that they're safe. Maybe it's pressure in your finances. You made some uh, some decisions that didn't necessarily work out in your favor, and now you're under a mound of debt that you have zero idea how you're going to get out from, and you feel this crushing pressure on your chest. Maybe it's in your marriage. That you and your spouse have gotten into fights that you feel like you just can't come back from. And there's a boulder and a tension sitting on your chest in your marriage. Maybe it's in your health. Maybe this week somebody has gotten a bad doctor's report or someone's spouse or family member has gotten a doctor's report that looks like it's the end that the lips type pressure sitting on your chest. And here's what I know is that we cannot control what is handed to us, but we can control our response to it. And in my mind, there's two options for responses when it comes to pressure in our lives. We either walk through it with Jesus, standing on his truth, standing on his promises, standing on the fact that we're gonna believe that everything is gonna be okay in the end, or without Jesus, on your own, trying to do it in your own strength. And I don't know about you, but I need Jesus when I walk through Philipsis. I need Jesus when my world seems like it's crumbling, when I feel like I just can't even move because I don't know about you, but a boulder on my chest, I'm not moving very much. But here's what's crazy is when, even when we're in this camp of following Jesus and walking through it with Jesus, what I find so interesting is that us as Christians are surprised when pressure comes our way. We're surprised when pressure comes our way. But here's the reality. John 16, for me, it would make sense if he said that verse to sinners, to people that are far from God, for people that are, are are doing things that are not helping their their life situation. Like if he if Jesus came up to a guy cheating on his wife and was like, "Hey man, uh just so you know, that situation is going to cause you pressure in your life." Somebody that's stealing money from work, somebody that's uh cheating on their taxes or what fill in the blank, "Hey, like that that's going to cause some pressure in your life." But Jesus is not talking to those people in this verse. He is having a conversation with his disciples the people that you and I talk about and read about every week, that we may consider them some of the most holy and passionate followers of Jesus to ever live, that's who he's talking to, which shows me one thing. You can follow Jesus correctly and passionately and still experience pressure. Not a lot of people talk about this but I would rather talk about it and you be prepared for when it comes than for you to come and be, for, for, the, for you to be able, for the, the situation to come in your life and you to be unprepared and fold and run away from God. There's pressure coming in your life with or without Jesus, but with Jesus, could it be that the, the, the reason for your pressure is not sinfulness, is not wickedness, but actually it could be faithfulness. The reason for your pressure, it may not be because you're being punished for doing something wrong. It may actually be because you're doing something right. Because here's the reality. There is a real enemy to all of us who believe in Jesus in here. And his name is, is the devil. And his goal for your life is to destroy it. But he doesn't want to destroy your life just for no reason. Not because, hey, I don't like that shirt she's wearing. Let me destroy her. Hey, I don't like where she's from. Oh, she's from Ohio. We don't like that. Like, no, it's not personal. It's not personal. The devil wants to destroy you because of your relation to God. That when you get closer to God, you become more of a problem for the devil. Look at this verse in 1 Peter. It says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Notice how it doesn't say everyone. He's not trying to destroy everyone because there's a lot of people that are destroying themselves, honestly. He's looking for the ones that are making an impact for Jesus. He's looking for the ones who are making an effort to invite their coworkers to church. He's, make, he's looking for the ones that are doing something for the kingdom of God. And we are surprised when the devil is attacking us when we're going in the right direction. The reality is, is that this pressure that you're feeling may not be a punishment. It may be because you're doing something right. Let me illustrate it this way. Any sports fans in the house? Anybody, there we go. I'm a huge sports guy, uh, and I'm I'm from Chicago, so I love Chicago sports. I really only lived there for my first year and a half, uh, but I'm diehard Chicago sports till I die, which automatically makes me believe that Michael Jordan is the best basketball player of all time. I know, I know. It's gonna, listen, I know. I'm gonna get get emails. I'm gonna get stopped in the lobby. Oh, LeBron this. That's probably true, but I'm Chicago. Michael Jordan till I die, and that's that. But here's the thing. Put, your shoe, put yourself in the shoes of a coach who's going up against Michael Jordan in the 96 Bulls. Michael Jordan, one of the greatest basketball players of all time. If you're watching him, and you see him score 45 points in the first half, dunk on half your team, and stick out his tongue while he's doing, ah! <laughs> That's an issue, right? That's something that you've got to address. But here's the reality. There are other players on the team. There are other players on the 96 Bulls, but if you are the coach, your focus is going to be on Michael Jordan, not on the rest of the other players. I think it's the same thing in our spiritual journeys that the devil is not focused on those who are not making an impact. He's looking for those who are Michael Jordan in the spiritual realm, who are making a difference in their lives and in their communities. We can't be surprised when opposition comes our way. Well, that's great, Chandler. Happy spring break. You told me that my life's going to be hard. <laughs> Yeehaw, let's go suffer. <laughs> but I believe today that God wants to encourage you with the realization of that it's not just walking through a tough situation. That sometimes in order to persevere through the pressure, we have to give our pressure a point. That there has to be a reason for the pressure. And I believe God is saying to somebody here today that's walking through something that I know that you didn't ask for this, I know you didn't want this, but if you look really closely, I'm working, I'm providing a point for your pressure. And I believe that I have two pressure points that I want to communicate today that will hopefully encourage us and that will hopefully uplift us as we walk through seasons in our life of Philipsis. And it's gonna be through the story of Acts 16 with Paul and Silas when they get thrown into prison. And to give you a little context, I'm gonna summarize and then we're gonna jump right in. And Paul and Silas, they are in a town and they're doing ministry in the town and they're kind of on a journey and going around preaching the gospel. And they find themselves in this town and every morning, like they normally do, they get up, and they go to the temple to pray. And on their way to the temple, each day, there's a, a woman there who is a fortune teller. She basically is under the influence of something that is not of God, and she's a slave, and she tells fortunes for money, and then gives the money back to her slave owners. And every day, when they're walking to the temple, she goes, hey, there's those Jesus guys. I'm paraphrasing. This, is, this isn't like what she actually said. <laughs> hey, those are those guys who can, who can get you saved who could spend eternity with God. And every day they walk past this lady until one day Paul's like, hey, I'm done with this. Hey, you're healed in Jesus' name. Boom, instantly healed, which is incredible, right? It's a good thing. But what I realize or what happens is the people that are getting money from her got upset by it and they came after Paul and Silas, dragged him into the courtyard, beat him and threw him in prison. If I'm Paul, I am mad. I did something good. All I was doing was going to pray and I got thrown in prison. But this is where we pick up in Acts 16. It says around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners. Suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundation. All the doors immediately flew open. What I love about this illustration in this story is that they had an opportunity To let God prove their faith or disprove their faith? What's the first pressure point? Pressure proves. When the pressure was put on them, they had the opportunity to to, to, turn towards to God or away from him. And I love how it says that they were singing hymns in the darkest part of the night. What did they do? They let the pressure prove their faith. I believe that when pressure comes in our lives, the real us comes out. What does the real you look like? Where are you turning in this life? I remember when I was a kid, I loved sleepovers. I loved having people spend the night at my house. And I remember one time, This guy came over, he's a good friend of mine, and I was pumped. It was one of my first sleepovers ever. I had every flavor of Mountain Dew imaginable. I had regular Code Red Baja Blast. I had Cosmic Brownies. I had the GameCube set up. Come on, anybody remember a GameCube? (laughs) Tony Hawk Pro Skater, NFL Street, anybody? I had it all set up. I was so excited. He came over. We hung out for a while. We stayed up as late as we possibly could, which was about 11 o'clock as a seventh grader when the sugar crash finally hit and we passed out. And I woke up the next morning and I looked over to where Ian was sleeping and I realized something, Ian was gone, he's gone. I'm like, well, there's really only two places a middle schooler would be at 7.30 in the morning. The kitchen, getting food, or back playing NFL street on GameCube. That's just the reality of the situation. And so I go out and I look at both of those places, nowhere to be found. I'm like, okay, we got an issue here. So I go find my parents And I'm like, hey, Ian's not here. And they're like, what do you mean he's not here? Like, he's a seventh grade boy. He couldn't come get on his bike and go home. Like, what do you mean he's not here? And so we call Ian's parents, and Ian's like, yeah. And they're like, yeah, Ian's here. And I'm like, what? Help me. Like, you're not going to tell somebody? He's like, yeah, well, he was uncomfortable at your house throughout the night uh, because he just wasn't sleeping good. And so he just asked to come home. Disappeared out of nowhere. And I can't help but think how often when it comes to our spiritual journeys do when when things start to go a little sideways and pressure starts to mount in our lives we disappear from God. We disappear from the church. We disappear from our small groups. Let me ask you this, when pressure comes where do you turn? Do you turn towards Jesus? Or do you turn towards a bottle? Do you turn towards that guy or girl you swore you'd never text again? Do you turn towards something online? Where do you turn? Because I believe that pressure proves or disproves our faith. And I want to encourage you that as we walk through pressure in this life, let it prove your faith. Let you be encouraged by, I don't know what's gonna happen. I didn't ask for this, but I'm gonna stand on the word of God and let it show to everyone around me that I don't trust in this world. I don't trust in these situations. I trust in Jesus. Because it proves our faith, but it also improves our faith. It improves our faith. I just started working out again. I'm sure you can tell, by the way. (laughs) I'm just kidding. It's been like a week. But I started working out again, and I don't know if there's anything worse than the first day back at the gym, the next morning, come on, anybody. I do like six lunges, and I feel like I got shot in my hamstring. I'm like walking down like a baby deer in my house. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm never going back in my life. But here's what I know. Here's what I know. If I continue to put pressure on my muscles consistently over time, what do they do? They grow. It's the same thing in our faith journey. If we consistently have pressure on them, they are going to grow. Let God grow your faith through your pressure-filled situations. Let God encourage you to where eventually when situations come your way, you're not even phased because you have so much faith in Jesus. Pressure proves pressure proves, but it also positions, pressure positions. I remember I was, uh, I was in a wedding uh, several years ago and, uh, and this was kind of before like the whole black tux thing where like they send it to you, you wear it, you ship it back, like everything comes together. And and I remember that the bride sent us all these different pictures and then just kind of told us, hey, go, go find this. And I'm like, okay, I I'm going to do my best. And she made, and so there was no jacket in the outfit. So she made sure, make sure the belt matches the shoes. And so I got the whole outfit and I get to the belt and I'm like, I cannot find a belt that matches these shoes. I cannot find anywhere. I take a day, spend eight hours, eight hours, people looking for a belt. I'm in Kohl's. Hey, you got a belt this color? I'm in Macy's. I'm in Dillard's. I'm like, what is Dillard's? Is this what Sears turned into? Like, what is Dillard's? All of that to go back to the very first store and get the belt that I—I I was like, well, this is kind of close enough. And um, and so I get up to the uh, to the wedding and we're getting ready, uh, and I go to put on my belt and I realize something: my pants don't have belt loops. I bought pants. That were made to have suspenders on them, not a belt. So I had to go make an emergency, like Target pickup order. I don't even know if it existed back then. Hey, suspenders, boom! But this is going to sound like a, a cheesy preacher thing, but I promise you, this what happened. My friend who lived across the country from me actually forgot his belt, and so I was able to utilize the eight hours and whatever, 17 to 20 bucks I spent to get this belt and he is the one that actually got to use it. Could it be that in our lives that the pressure filled situations that we are going through were never actually designed for us, they were designed to help somebody else? Let's finish off the story in Acts 16. It says, after the earthquake happened, the jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed that the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, stop, don't kill yourself. We are all still here. The jailer called for the light to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Could it be that God loved that jailer so much that he looked down on some of his most amazing servants, Paul and Silas, and said, I don't want them to go through this, I'm not causing them to go through this, but I'm gonna use this to position them to reach the jailer and his whole family. Could it be in your life, in your pressure-filled situation, that it may not be a punishment It is a setup to position you to reach somebody. How would our lives look differently if we walked through pressure-filled situations not saying, God, get me out of this, but God, use me in this? I didn't ask for this, but who can I reach while I'm in it? What would our lives look like? Because I believe that Jesus and God, they they don't tell us a lot of things about our life because if they told us, we wouldn't do it. Hey, Paul, hey, Silas, you're going to be beaten, thrown in prison, but there's going to be a guy in there you're going to get saved. No! I'm not doing it. I'm not getting flogged. I don't even know what that is, but I'm not getting it. Does not sound good. But what if it is for somebody else? I want to encourage somebody today that may be walking through something incredibly difficult. Don't give up. Don't give up. Because I believe that God is positioning you to reach somebody, positioning you to be an example to your family, positioning you to not stop and quit, but to be an example of what Jesus' faithfulness is in this life. But some of us in here, if we're being honest with ourselves, I've been talking this whole message like you and I that we relate to Paul and Silas. These men or women of God who are experiencing trouble and hardship and we've got to persevere. But honestly, some people in this room, some people at Oviedo, Sanford, watching online, you may relate more to the jailer than Paul and Silas. You're just going about your life. The jailer's just going about his life. And all of a sudden the earth starts moving and all of the prisoners are loose. Have you ever felt like that? i'm just trying to do what i think is good and my life is falling apart you can see that we can infer that the jailer was going to probably get killed if all these prisoners ran loose that's why he drew his sword to kill himself instead and i believe there's people in this room that because of the situations that you're walking through you feel like it's crushing you to the point where you have no hope but paul and silas stopped and said, stop, you can be saved. You can have hope. There is more to your story. And I just wanna be Paul and Silas to somebody in this room today that I don't know where you stand with God and I don't know what you're walking through, but I know where God stands with you. You see, God loved you so much that he sent his son Jesus down into human flesh. And he lived a perfect life. Didn't make a single mistake, not one bad thought. But then he got crucified, hung on a cross, killed, murdered for something that he really didn't even do. But he did it, why? To have the potential to have a relationship with you. And then he rose again, which is where John 16, refers to that he has overcome the world. And I want to give you that opportunity today. Regardless of what you're walking through, maybe life is great, maybe life is hard. I want to give you the opportunity today to give your life to Jesus and know that regardless of what I walk through, I am going to overcome this world. So with everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, if you want to make that decision today, the way that you are saved is to make a decision to believe with Believe in your heart and confess with your mouth and you will be saved. The way that we do that here is through raising your hand. So on the count of three, if you want to make that decision to follow Jesus, to give your life to Jesus, I just want you to raise your hand and then you can put it back down. One, two, three. Raise them high. Praise God. Praise God. If that's you, you can put your hand down. And I just right there, right where you are, I just want you to repeat in your heart what I say out loud. Say, Jesus, I love you. Thank you for saving me. Even though I was a mess, even though I'm broken, you still died for me. So right now, I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that you are my Lord and you are my Savior. Come into my life. Make me new and make me whole. And God, I pray for all of us that as we talk about walking through difficult and uncomfortable and unwanted situations, God, that we wouldn't let the pressure crush us, Jesus, but we would allow it to prove our faith, God, and to position us in a place where we can make an impact for your kingdom. Give us strength give us passion, give us energy to go out and regardless of what we face, make an impact for you. In Jesus' name and everybody said, amen.